Hello, <laughs> and welcome to the dive presented by Squeaky Ass Death. Mine doesn't do it. And ah, stop it! Both of you are the worst type of people. This is season six, episode eleven. We're gonna start now, so these idiots stop moving their laptops around. I, I can't take it. I'm actually going to go crazy. Mark, there was an article that came out. You worked with Peter Zhang. Did you loan him any money? No, never. <laughs> for uh, the readers who do not know what we're referring to, for, please go in depth. For the illiterate, um, the article came out. Peter Zhang was released last Thursday. There was a bit of a period where people were like, what's going on? There was a, a tweet by TSM. <clears throat> Eventually, it got clarified in an article uh, by Richard Lewis and Dextero about what specifically happened. Uh there were two kinds of things to, to cover. One was acting as an agent for some players. Supposedly, this is the allegation. Peter disputed pretty much most of the claims uh, talking with them, but that was one of them. It was like Sword Art specifically. He got a cut of that deal, supposedly, as well as did some things for Sword Art financially. Apparently, he's done that for Yersan as well and some other players. And then the other thing is that supposedly he's been loaning money from players, uh, asking them for borrowing, money. borrowing, loaning. stealing, or yeah. I guess asking for. Is it because I, I, I guess the point of contention is that didn't didn't pay it back. So, so I, in, yeah. in the article, I think it said that m most players had received their money back, actually. Oh, OK. So, so but, it's, it is it is a borrowing situation. Yeah, I, I think it's a little more. Nebula. Like I read the article and I felt like that was trying to be fair, at least because it did speak to mm. Peter and like, you know, yeah. And supposedly Peter was like, hey, look at all my receipts and stuff and was trying to, to show stuff. So who exactly knows? But it's definitely no matter what in the position that he's in, not acceptable. Yeah. Like as a coach, That's you the big cannot thing. be doing this. The, per the person who's deciding if you play or not, potentially, or even have a job or not or a contract or not, is asking you for money. Right. Mm. And, and like that is just such a, a weird situation to be put in for a young player. I think most people would feel that they had to say yes or that they could potentially like really damage their career. Um, you know, and, and so I think there, there's a lot of kind of like stuff there that that's is not really acceptable. And I mean, the sword art thing as well, like and whether he, he debates that or not, like I'd heard that that, that was true. I'd heard, uh, you mm -hmm. know, as well with uh, your son. And it's like, if you are the person deciding what player joins your team and you're also acting as the agent, you're kind of like, like that that's really somewhat weird too right and and that's kind of like murky waters where it's you're deciding that we want to sign this player and you're getting paid for deciding that you want to sign the player um so it, it does make you wonder it like op opens a whole can of worms of like ooh, would you have chosen this person if you weren't the representing them like would there be someone else that you would have wanted instead if you weren't getting a cut and even if all of that is not true it makes you wonder, and and that's kind of like I think a, a really weird situation for uh, for TSM to be in. I have to just think that it's crazy that that we have <clears throat> another hit at some other seedy, murky water style stuff that's going on at TSM and has apparently you know been uh, going on for a while. So I just feel like the roller coaster of our TSM Newsweek. You know, never I can't moment. wait for the next episode, guys. You What's going to happen next you week? You can't keep TSM's name out of your mouth. Like, here's the thing. They're either going to make the run for playoffs and we're going to lose our minds, or they're not, <laughs> and they're probably going to make some roster changes and we'll still be talking about them. They're content machines. Yeah. You can't not talk about TSM. It's it's pretty brutal, though, when you when you think about some of the, the impact that I think this has, because really my understanding is that largely the reason that TSM went the LPL route was because of Peter. And his connections with the LPL and his connections with the players and, you know, being able to to 
like run the tryouts and stuff uh, in China and, and, and have that whole system. Like that's why they have a lot of the players that they have. And now he's gone. Right. And like, what does that mean for the direction of the team? What does that mean for some of the players who likely signed on in part because Peter is here and, and was, was dealing with them like that, the knock on effects of that are, are what is the biggest news to me from this story more than like, you know, Peter did some things he shouldn't have and gotten fired. Like, honestly, most most fans are probably like, who cares? Um, I think it's it's one of those things where it's it's just like, it's it's a weird situation, right? Like, what does TSM do from here? Do they commit to LPL it coming into, you know, next year or whatever? Or is it going to be like everyone is gone from the LPL? Because obviously they brought in Shawi and, and all kinds of stuff, you know, based on Peter's direction for the team. Yeah, it's, it's super weird. That and as well as like, if the money wasn't returned to some of these players, like are... I just feel bad. I think that's the biggest thing. I was asking that, by the way. Yeah. I'm not, I'm I not accusing any. No, I know. I know. I'm saying, like, <laughs> that was said, but you know, who who knows if all the money's gotten back to the right people? Because then, yeah. then it just also feels bad for a lot of the like academy developmental players and, and mm. people who might have been uh, ripped off. That, and you're like, well, they're not like that, that financially secure, a pro, like a starting out pro player. They're not, not everyone's double lift, you know, or, or whoever who's, they're set, you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, if, if you're an academy, you're making some money, but definitely not a lot of money in most cases. Um, so yeah, I mean, hopefully, hopefully, all of that end of it gets solved, regardless. Yeah, you know that that like whether or not he has already paid them back, hopefully, he will pay them back, and at least the players are, are not out of pocket. Yeah, yeah. And then TSM fired him because of the alleged, uh, you know, agent stuff. A agent basically. Thing. <laughs> yeah. But you know who is making money? Faker. <laughs> and you know who's still winning games? T1. Mm -hmm. 18 and 0 for their series score, undefeated in LCK. That's big news. 100%, 100%, not even leaving any, any 0.1 percentage chance that we don't see them at MSI. Uh, I'm very, very excited to see this squad. Yeah, that's what I said when the Patriots lost the Super Bowl, too. <laughs> you know, we went 18-0 in the regular uh -huh. season. Uh -huh. Started struggling a little bit more in playoffs, and then suddenly the Super Bowl rolls around. Uh -huh. Drop that one. Um, I know a lot of people were talking about, even even we were saying a little bit last year, or last uh, episode about the asterisk from all the COVID concerns and having to play sub rosters that they played against. They never had to put in subs, as far as I, I'm pretty sure they, they never had to. So yeah. mm -hmm. um, what I will say, as someone who has been a fan of teams who have had like asterisks put on their their seasons. If I'm a fan of the team, I say, no, I don't acknowledge that asterisk. That's not like a, a, a thing that you can make me acknowledge. I, I don't acknowledge it at all. And if I'm not a fan of the team, I am talking about that asterisk constantly. Uh, I think this is a fun part of sports. I think it gets under people's skin. I don't know why. It's like part, part of what makes it fun is like debating, you know, they deserve it, they not deserve it, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. If you're a fan of T1, rub it in the other people's face. It'll, it will tilt the, it'll tilt the hell out of them. And if you're a, not a fan of T1, you want to get under a fan skin, bring up that asterisk. It's just like, it's such a great part of sports that like just watch these people lose like their minds over, over this like, is it legit or is it not legit? I mean, I, I think it's it's an incredible accomplishment yeah, regardless, absolutely. right? And I think that is kind of where I stand is that this is an amazing accomplishment. Is it as meaningful as if all of the teams that they beat were at full strength? Of course not. But that's not on T1, right? Like, that's not their fault. So I still think it's an incredible accomplishment. I think largely people will judge them um, based on how playoffs go and how potentially MSI goes. Yeah. Uh, because... If they were to lose, say, to like Gen G in playoffs and not even make it to MSI, everyone's going to say, well, 
yeah. knew it. It was Rocks. fraudulent, right? Yeah. And if they absolutely turbo stun playoffs and then go and slam everyone MSI and and win there, everyone's like, well, clearly they would have done it anyway, yeah. right? So I think either way, people will probably be very like kind of like just judging based on what happens afterwards um, because you can't really know, right? You know, especially like the Gen G series where they played, they had to play against Gen G who had subs and that's supposed to be their biggest competition, right? Um, and they did lose games, obviously, like if you, if you don't follow the LCK, it's best of three. They lost, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, seven games. So they, they lost it, you know, they lost some games. Um, obviously they, they won 36, I guess, and lost seven then, if Games Legends match history is right. Uh, but it's 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 pretty impressive. And especially to me, it's really cool, not only that that Faker is is this good after so long, like he's not the best player on his team probably anymore, but it's just like, I think consistency at the pro level is incredibly hard. And that is the bigger reason, not age, that people aren't around for so long. It's not that they're not capable, it's that having this single-minded focus for a decade to be able to stay at the top of your field is so incredibly difficult. It requires this to be your whole life. And not a lot of people can do that for a really long time. And Ficker is now you know, going on a full decade of being at the top of the sport. And I think that's so incredible. Uh, and it's also been really exciting to see some of the new players coming up and, and becoming true stars, right? Like Caria is the first ever support MVP from the LCK. I think largely that's because the LCK MVP system was horrible for a lot of <laughs> years. And and now it was actually like voting instead of like just MVP points, which were always kind of fraudulent. Yep. Um, but I think it's it's cool to see that that history made as well. The Their bottom lane as a whole uh, is one of the most scary things for teams even thinking about you know prepping and stuff for for MSI uh, and what I'm most excited for, um, and I mean okay so I was gonna refer to the top laner but I'm gonna refer to him as Zeus. Zeus. I refuse to call him Zeus. Exactly. That's why I wanted to take a moment here. Um, and I I have heard uh, on one of the vods you know the explanation from the LCK casters because there was already another player named Zeus. It was why they went with this. Um, you know, pronunciation of the name. We will have to discuss when we get to international events. There's only going to be one with Zeus all of the There is a Greek god <laughs> of which this has been named after. So, I, I, again, that, that's going to be a longer discussion, what we end up doing, you know, on broadcast. But for this podcast, I'm calling him Zeus because I've decided and we, don't have, we don't have to have a discussion. <laughs> I rebel against that notion. <laughs> um, you know, he's... His talent and uh, is mostly to me about his growth and how quickly uh, he he showed dominant form on the top side. But yeah, to me, really, when when we see them, um, when we see them at international event, by the them way, them versus C9, Gumi Yushi versus Berserker, um, the oh rematch of the understudy. It, that's that's what I've been waiting for. Uh, they already did that one interview that we referred to with uh, Guma when he was talking about. Um, you know, looking over his shoulder at Berserker mm -hmm. and being kind of glad that Berserker went to NA so that he's not going to come take his job, <laughs> basically. Um, that would be so cool if we get to see them play each other at international event. Yeah, I feel like uh, probably power rank number one. I haven't looked at anyone's power rankings recently. I assume T1 is at the top of everyone's, Everyone. everyone's list. They deserve it. They're yeah. incredible. Uh, on the Faker point, the other thing I wanted to throw out there was the longevity is what makes him the best of all time. I think peak-wise, you can always debate it, but like in every other region, the player who was the best has shifted um, and it, it feels like Faker's never really been unseated for long. Yeah. And that's that's what's the most insane thing. Uh, and, and where, like, goats in most 
sports come from is not like, oh, other people didn't win titles during their reigns. You know, like people won championships around Jordan. They won around uh, Wayne Gretzky. I don't know, like throw a name out there. They lost titles at points, but the thing was that they were always at the top for the entire time that they basically played. Yeah. And that, that's that's kind of what Faker's done and why he he is going to be so unchallenged for so long in this sport. I think it's, it's like almost Ever. Un unseatable, right? It's, it's yeah. one of those things yeah. that because especially like because he was around so early like and, and through this this kind of era where mid laners could truly just solo carry games with just like absolute domination of their opponents i think people who are around in that era it's harder to challenge now i think that the overall level goes up over time and, and it makes it more difficult to have that massive discrepancy and that's where you get into kind of some of these discussions that you have with sports too where it's like well is will chamberlain not better than michael jordan because he scored way more points well he played against bad people Bill Russell won 11 championships in 13 years there, 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 is, so there is no contest it's faker for sure but i'm just saying i'm just saying he, mark's talking about like oh he may not be in, unseated for a long time for now now, obviously everyone is going to create faker but i'm saying like even in 20 years or 30 years or whatever i still think it's going to be faker just because i think it's yeah. so difficult to to equal his body of work for such a long time and to have had such a period of dominance like even though now most people will not tell you that faker is is the best manipulator in the world and i think that's been true for a lot of years i think um you know maybe the last time people were talking about him as like literally the best mid laner in the world was like, I don't know, 2016, 2017, somewhere around there probably. Um, but he has always been at or near the top of his craft. And and I think it's incredibly, incredibly impressive, especially in esports where in, in League of Legends in particular, when you look at LCK and you look at LPL, it is constantly new young players pushing out the older players and replacing this generation, right? It's guys like Faker and Rookie and people Night like that that whatever. have been around for a long time. Um, and, and really been truly incredible. Yeah. Well, we had a bunch of interviews about um, the strength of the LCS as well, in particular. Um, you know, we had Berserker was on Reddit. River was on uh, Reddit. Um, I actually liked uh, I, I liked this discussion as it comes up a lot of the time of, uh, you know, what what roles have, have really, uh, you know, currently have the strongest strength, basically, in North America. Um, River... Did an interview with our good old friend Pyrotechnics. Used to be a um, uh, LEC caster that we would meet up with at international events quite a lot. Um, and he was really positive on NA jungles, which at the beginning of the year, we were talking about as along with top lane being what looked like our most robust, our strongest roles as well. Do you guys still think that jungle and top lane are probably the two, two strongest? Yeah, I, I definitely think so. I, I think support is also really good in, mm -hmm. in NA in general. Um, we were, because that, that, like, what led me to believe that was, I, th I want to say this was a freak, but we were basically having this conversation of, like, oh, like, you know, there's like the all pro team who's like the all Joe team, you know, like worse than every role. And it was actually like kind of hard thinking about support to even put someone there, right? Yeah. Like, who's the like, ah, you got stuck with him, haha, -ha, support, like, doesn't really feel like there is. I think is. part of it is that, you know, in our discussion of like older players still having really strong showings, Aphromoo and Biofrost coming back and being as good as they are also um, definitely led its hands towards like you're saying we don't have a, the bottom is actually a pretty high floor for supports yep. to, to me mid and, and ad are the like weaker roles really? um i think pardon i said really <laughs> okay um, I'm, just, I'm surprised you think ad is a weaker role i don't know if you're being sarcastic or not no i'm not I, so I, I think i think the bottom end i do think is is like weaker uh for sure i i think that like it's 
doesn't have the same depth, right? Like I think that some of the the best players in the role are really strong, but I yeah. do think that um, some of the worst performing ads like are pretty weak when you compare to a lot of the other regions. Personally, I, I, so for me, it's it's easily the solo lanes. I think our top lane pool is actually pretty weak too. Yeah, like outside of the mm. top four, yeah, I think it kind of drops off a cliff. Uh, I mean, you can put Summit, Whippo. The bottom is definitely pretty impact, weak in top lane. You know, like someday that sounds like a really good group, but then when you, I don't want to throw too much shade at people, but like. I mean, uh, Fake God and stuff. Fake for God, sure. Jenkins, Kumo, uh, Revenge, Kumo. Like, yep. I would take Neo, Johnson. Like, if you took the top laner compared to the AD carry, even on their own teams in those situations, mm. you know, I can, Fake I can God see to that, Neo. Uh, Neo is, is hands down way better in his position. I think that's a lot. That's a lopsided. Yeah, team, but yeah, Luger and and yeah. Uh, Jenkins. Yeah. Again, Kumo or Johnson. Like, you start playing that game, and I actually think top lane in the bottom half of the league is much weaker than the ADK. I think ADK is actually pretty good. That's fair. I guess I guess I, I really do think that the the best top laners, like we have a number of those top laners that even just the ones that you rhymed off, I think would do well internationally. Yes. Right. And top to me is there is is that that means a lot like for for North America to have us like the solo laners that I could see going to international, you know, like if we're like thinking about worlds or whatever, I think I think the top laners will hold up, right? Mm -hmm. And that is something that I, I guess uh, kind of like is leading me to that. But to your point, yeah, the, the bottom end of top lane is pretty weak. So maybe I am being a little bit unfair about talking about through that lens when that's how I'm looking at at um, AD. Um, but it's interesting. I mean, River River's comment was when he was on PSG Talon, he obviously went to the international tournaments. He thought NA is kind of a weaker region. But then once I played in the LCS, out of all five positions, I think jungle is super strong. And he says, I think the league is super competitive. And all overall, the jungle role is really good in NA. Um, so he obviously was like a bit more impressed, I think, with, the, with how competitive the league was in general. But I do think jungle jungle is, is definitely strong. And that's where I think a lot of like, when you think over the years, that's where a lot of the, like NA talent has actually been. Mm -hmm. um, even back to like all the Mike Young memes and everything right like when when we won riff rivals and whatever there was a big discussion about that and that's been over the years one place that has been pinpointed of like ah like na is actually maybe like better than eu at times and in, in this type of thing um i don't know kobe looked at me when i was drinking water sorry about that i think that, that it's interesting because one i feel like this is something you often hear is like players come over and like oh it's not it's not as trash as I thought it was. It is funny when it's like, oh, my own role is the hard one. You know, so, I've come over here. And the other thing I'll say is the PCS also has talked mad smack about NA over the time. I know River's Korean, but he played in the PCS for a little bit. Um, and it's just like one of those things where it's like, why do you like, why do you look down on NA so much? We like, we outperform you internationally all the time. Well, it, and it's not just, uh, it's not just that retrospective. Like every... Every player that has come over to the LCS and has done interviews afterwards, uh, you know, Perks gave interviews, Niski gave interviews, all these guys after playing here, uh, maybe not every game. I don't know. Alfari would, probably did not have a, have a you know, a non negligible I, percentage. Alfari says the same thing about you, though. Alfari is just like, okay. everyone sucks except me. I'm the best. But the, but the point is, there are a bunch of these interviews of players that did come over and then after leaving gave very similar testimonies, basically, of being like, oh, yeah, I mean, I, I went in with a similar negative attitude towards North America. And after playing there, wow, it's way more competitive. It's a lot better. It's, you know, and, and basically have that same sentiment. So uh, I, I kind of, I find it interesting, but it also makes still just like, it's still so frustrating that there is that looming negativity 
that causes this whole that you know necessitates this whole cycle of people having to come over and actually play here and then they're like okay fine i'm convinced yeah i mean i think they were talking about this on jlxp but like tl goes three and three at worlds for the last three worlds is it correct like Something like that, yeah. Oh, last t- last worlds, if they got to choose their tiebreaker, I swear to God, we would have had two teams out. Okay. My my point is just that, like clearly they are a competent team if internationally they go and they are like doing decently. Not that they're the best. But and hundred like, thieves also went three three. We have like, tons of teams that go three. They, they like we might be the weakest of the major regions, but it's not like we're a joke. And I think people like meme it up social media memes it up people just are hyperbolic in general and so like players like oh god they're so trash blah, blah, blah. and then they come over here and they're like wait they're not as bad as i thought they were and it's it, it is frustrating for people who are in this ecosystem to be like come on like i have no problem admitting we're the weeks of the major regions now can you admit that we're not like dumpster tier and like don't deserve to be in the same conversation as you guys and you come over here and you can't dominate us like what happened yeah i also think one of the things that uh north america often doesn't get credit for is i actually think that like our our league has quite a lot of depth, right? Like there's there's some pretty competitive teams that are near the bottom. Like Giloto is giving interviews about that, mm-hmm. um, and I think that's been true for a lot of years. You know, like especially compared to the PCS, but compared to I think a lot of leagues, like our bottom tier teams are like teams that are are often more competitive than some of the bottom teams in other leagues, and I think I think that is true. Um, and you know, like for for River coming over from PCS, so it's like yeah, okay, at the top almost always in the PCS, even when we look back to when it was like LMS and Flash Wolves and stuff, it's like there's always a couple teams that are really quite good and absolutely turbo stomp everyone else in the league. And that doesn't really happen in LCS or at least very rarely is is a team so dominant like that, right? Like it's because they're so bad at the top. We just can't make good teams, don't you know? Yeah. Speaking of competitive regions, we had our top teams get upset this last week and we got a question about it from Noah. Hey, guys. My name's Noah, and my question is, with the top two teams both dropping a game this week, which do you think is more worrying? Cloud9 losing almost every part of the game versus TSM, who's last place, even though they did 2-0, or Team Liquid dropping a game to FlyQuest, who is doing okay, I'd say, mid-split. So my... First in, initial reaction was for sure the Cloud9 losing to TSM one, both because TSM has just been dead last, um, 100% the worst team in the league, but also that game was so many mistakes from Cloud9 that just seemed really weird because we have not seen those types of mistakes from them all year, basically. No, not tracking enemy movements at all. No extra vision, just getting picked off and split pushing over and over again. Uh, I felt like I was losing my mind casting that game and watching it happen and watching it unfold. It was just... Someone pranked you and it was a different Yeah, game. it was another prank. And it was just like... I, I was talking earlier about this, like every week we've got some weird TSM stuff going on. It was like, all right, well, it's just another like... Sure, of course this happens. The only thing they announced, expect. They announced that they're firing one of their coaches, and this is right after the drama was fresh. And I was like, oh, my God, what happened? And there's all these, like, rumors around the the money exchanging hands and the the agent deals and all this shady stuff. And, like, oh, my God, how long has this been going on? And and now they fired Peter right before, and we're going into these games, and now they beat Cloud9, and we're like, holy shit. But uh, I, a lot of it I remember, too, was, um, you know, Cloud9 making some – like I said, mistakes that we have not seen from them. But the Team Liquid one, I also thought was pretty concerning, but 
Um, I was more shocked, I would say, by the Cloud9 one. Uh, I mean, my initial reaction is neither worry me, but I know that's not the question. I think both teams are still the best two in the league. Um, so if, if anyone both thinks, teams are the best team in the league, <laughs> with- they're best two in the league. They're still the top two. I mean, like hundred thieves is flying up the rankings. They're on like a five or seven game win streak or something. I forget what it is. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's but are they flying up your power rankings? No, I mean the third probably. They were always kind of third though uh, in power rankings for me. Um, but I think nothing this weekend changed that power rankings. But that wasn't really the question. It's which of the two is more concerning? I would say the team liquid one because. We have, whereas you're saying this is shocking that Cloud9 lost like this because we normally don't see them do this. Mm-hmm. That allows me to be like, ah, oh, it's more of an aberration. You know, probably looked over TSM in the schedule. Maybe didn't have their heads in the game, whatever. Mm-hmm. Team Liquid has done a lot of games like this. They have almost lost a lot of games. And it finally happened where they throw this lead and top lane just kind of being idiots. It's <laughs> just like not respecting what their enemy team can do to them. And that's happened a lot of times. And they finally lost a game because of it, but they should have lost the Immortals one. Um, there's an EG one where they gave a huge lead up in a top lane throw and lost a Baron. Like they've done this a bunch of times. And that's why for me, that's mm-hmm. more worrying because it's it's a trend that is still going on. Yeah, I think I think TL has had a few games where if they're not like drafting, you know, their traditional style comps, where like they're obviously they've experimented a lot, which I want to say is is a positive. Yes, and I, I'm not going to hold it against them too much because this was again I think them kind of trying something out. Uh, they created a massive lead, but they basically drafted no real engage, right? Like they, yeah, you could look for a pick with Ari. Yeah, you could like maybe trundle pillar someone in and try to like you know Tarek stun them, but it's not real engage, right? Tarek doesn't have anyone to set him up in this comp, and Tarek hates yeah. that. Yeah, exactly. Like there's there's no dive, which also makes I think getting Tarek ultimates that are good, really, really difficult. Like, I think that Tarek, when paired with Hard Engage, uh, it's a lot easier to get a good value ult because you force the other team to fight you on this Hecarim ult or on this Malphite ult or whatever where you are immune and they can't, they kind of like, you know, get put into a weird situation. Um, but they played this comp where they didn't really have any engage. They're playing double marksmen uh, and and they get way ahead. But like you have to snowball the game with that kind of comp because the only way you can actually beat FlyQuest comp is by making them come to you by being ahead and being first to the objective. Whereas FlyQuest had really good scaling. They had Tristan and, and Vegar, two of the best scaling carries. They have multiple forms of hard engage with this Gragas plus Aphromoo on the Nautilus. Like they had a lot of tools to actually dominate in a 5v5 if the game ever were to get to parity. And it didn't even need to get fully to parity because of their, their advantages in, in 5v5 composition, right? Um, you know, it just really took that one TP flank from Takoy where TL overstayed top. Mm-hmm. TL at that point was up like 7K or 7.5K. And off of that, they actually got a 5K gold swing with the bounties they took, the shutdowns they got, the Baron they took. And then it's like, ooh, we lost, didn't we, right? It hit that point where mm-hmm. um, Johnson was already farming really well. He was huge. Koi, uh, I think, had another really good Vagar game. It was very reminiscent of his previous one against 100 Thieves where they were also down big. And and he got, like, one big pick where he just, like, killed off uh, Abadaga instantly and then killed off one other person. It was like, all of a sudden, you just kind of win. Yeah. I mean, I guess it depends how you're looking at this question. Because if it's like, oh, which one is more concerning? Like, which team are you now more concerned with in their placement in the LCS? Because I have Cloud9 as my best team. Mm-hmm. So I guess by that measure, I would say it was a less concerning game. But then I was looking at it like first, my first best 10. team, my best rank one team just lost to the worst you know, rank 10 team. So I guess shocking, yes. Uh, maybe not you know, as concerned overall. I do think, you know, for... For my money heading into playoffs, Cloud9 is my are my favorites to win to win spring. 
Um, and and we can actually Super Week is kind of a cool week for us to to like mm-hmm. re up on our on on like predictions basically and t- kind of uh you know we can do like Super Week slash how do you think they're gonna you know end up doing towards playoffs type of thing also. Well, since we're, we're you brought that up, we have, you have to mention with TSM going two zero this week. They have four wins, which is more than Freak predicted. He's officially wrong. It is. <laughs> Just had to bring that up after so many bets have been thrown in uh, my face and yes, Raz's yes. face. And like, yeah. This wasn't even a bet. This was literally someone asked him how many wins they were yeah. wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, well, still, I got to bring it up. I, and I thought, he was, I thought he was really wrong when he predicted three wins. Like, really wrong. Yeah. And, and then he looked pretty right. And then he looked pretty right for a while. And I was like, I even told him, I was like, I doubted you. Like, you're looking like you were on point with that. Um, but they have the 2-0 weekend. That's huge for TSM. Mm-hmm. And yes, I think there's still theoretically a tiebreaker scenario where they could make it into playoffs. Uh, but it's like really weird and extremely unlikely. At the very least, from, from TSM point of view, this was like, hey, now you have something to be happy about. Now you have something that you can maybe say, oh, okay, like at least we're, we're building towards something. You can see like the team is, you know, ha- has some potential there. Uh, there still may be some big changes, who knows, coming into summer or whatnot. But at least this gave like a, a glimmer of hope, I think, for TSM fans. And I think that that was like a really exciting part of, of the upset. I know I never really answered but- the question, <laughs> but um, I guess it's like, I don't, fi- I don't find either of them super concerning. Uh-huh. I think I think if one were to be more concerning, I think it's TL because it's been more of a pattern similar to what you guys were saying. Like they've had a number of, of games where they try to draft something a little bit different and lose. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I don't really care because I, I'm actually happy that they're experimenting. And I think they're going to come into playoffs with a clear view of what is the best comp for TL, right? And that's where I think you will get the benefit out of experimenting a lot in regular season. It's not actually the best strategy if you want to go, you know, flawless in in the regular season. Mm-hmm. Would either of you take Team Liquid if we played a best of five between Cloud9 and Team Liquid right now? Probably not. It's it's because really I feel hard. like I feel like nobody would now because especially the Cloud9 victory is so fresh off their off their recent matchup. Yeah. I think the point that Azale's making about experimentation is a big one because we don't know what's going on behind the scenes. Maybe they're crushing scrims with like one or two styles of comp, and that's why they're branching out more. But like the hard playthrough Whippo style does not look that good. Like he he can carry, but the hard mm-hmm. playthrough him with the Lucians, with the Jacks, the Shivana game, as yeah, well. Shivana game, the Viego game, the Lucian game, and the Jacks game. Those are their those are their losses, yeah. right? It, yeah. It's all stuff where they're experimenting. Yeah. And so, like, that's why, to me, like, neither of them are that big of a deal. The Cloud9 one was like, that's not the Cloud9 <laughs> I know. Like, they looked horrible. Like, everything yeah. about that game was horrible. You're face-checking. You're not, you have no vision control, which was how I, I took it was kind of like what Mark's saying. It's like, oops, guess you didn't take him serious. Like, you <laughs> yeah. played really bad. And TSM played way better than expected. They played a really good game and deserve credit, you know, to kind of, like, mm-hmm. catch the ball that was thrown. Um, but neither of them were like, ah, this team sucks now. Like, time to redo the power rankings. Um, so, yeah. I mean, I, I think TL could for sure, for sure still win. Uh, I think I probably wouldn't bet on them. I mean, I I, I was predicting C9. Um, it was really interesting because a lot of I saw a lot of mentions from C9 fans who were kind of unhappy about uh, me saying I wasn't sure if Fudge was in my top three and saying, ah, yeah, he hates Azale hates C9. But I was like, I predicted C9 to win. He, it, Against TL, like this against weekend. your against your hatred of Fudge, you still predicted them. Yeah, Incredible. exactly. Over, the overcame the it. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it, it'll be exciting, right? I think the biggest question for me coming to playoffs is: Is there a third team that can actually challenge? Yeah, that's one, and that's what we're hoping for when we're looking at hundred thieves. To the point of them, I mean, uh, each team is only one game behind the next one below them. We've got the stepping stones of Cloud Nine, Team Liquid, Hundred Thieves, um, but. 
I think hundred thieves people are looking at needing more, more of a big upswing in this super week if they have a good performance there. Yeah, uh, hundred thieves. I was talking with someone about like how weird it is that they're only one game back from TL, but we're acting like they're just oh they're like the dark horse third favorite. They don't look nearly as good, and I think there is some justification. Quality of wins. Quality of wins. I think um, some of the the ways in which they've lost as well. Uh, well, I also think. Lots of people, and us included, had very high expectations of coming in as defending champs, not ma making roster changes, and practicing and scrimming earlier yeah. earlier than all the other teams. So those led to these very high expectations that are like, you know, someone overhyping the you know a movie to you, and then you go see it, and it's like still pretty good. But it's not what you were sold on. But it's not. It's not number one. Uh, you know, yeah. you're expecting number one in the LCS. It, and the three. the players themselves admitted, like, eh, FBI's like, ah, eh, we're not playing as well as we used to. You know, like I think the players have also been like, we are not holding think, up to our own standard. I think for sure, Abe and the bottom lane as as a whole, both yeah. both both parts of but, it. Yeah. Uh, I had a big magnifying glass on Abe Daga and Huhi, um, but FBI FBI as well. Um, I do think someday and closer have been crushing it. So that's also kind of why it's weird because it's like only part of the team you really feel like. And that maybe is also why they still have so many wins. Yeah, that, that's how I feel is like, okay, this could still be a title contender if those other things that aren't going great fix themselves. And they did win five in a row, but they should have lost that Golden Guardians game and like, eh. You know, it's it's. I still like tepid, like one foot in. Like, yeah, you guys are the third best team, but because there's really no other candidates. But you also are not like, we're the third best team. Try and get over us. Yeah, FlyQuest, I I dare you. And it's like, eh, they could. The the biggest thing for me has just really been less comparing Hundred Thieves to C9 and TL, and more comparing Hundred Thieves to how good I thought they were last year. Because like to your point, Abadaga to me last year was at the very least competing for like best mid in the league. Now I never even hear anyone talk about him in the top three. Was he barely even mentioned? Maybe other than like, oh yeah, like thought he was would be good, but he wasn't, you know. <laughs> and then FBI was. It felt like it had gotten to the point during summer last year that it wasn't even disputable that he was the best performing bot laner, right? Like almost everyone agreed that he is the best ADC in the league. Again, where is he in the discussions? You don't even talk about him. You talk about Berserker and Hans. And that's all anyone talks about. Who weren't in the league last year. To be fair, they weren't yes. in the league. And so we added literally our two best AD carries into the mix. But also, it's compounded. Yeah. It's, it's, but I think they're both playing worse. They've taken themselves... It feels more like they've taken themselves out of the conversation than that they've been like pushed out by mm -hmm. how good other people were. Because I actually don't think that... like. So Berserker, I think people will point to his team fighting as incredible. I think FBI last year, you could argue, had the really good team fighting, mm -hmm. but had you know better laning performances than than Berserker, right? Um, it's not apples to apples, so like I'm not really going to go down the the rabbit hole too much on this. Uh, but but I do think that like that is the biggest concern for me. And last year, I felt like. 100 Thieves, you know, they were the deserving winners. I do think a, a few teams kind of fell apart for them to actually, you know, win in playoffs and, and some teams weren't playing as well as possible. I think teams have gotten better around them and they have gotten worse. So it feels hard to be like, yeah, I believe in you to really challenge for the title. Um, but they have an opportunity against C9 this last week that I think 
could change some minds. Like if they come in here on the six game winning streak and they actually like beat C9 or have a really good competitive game with C9 that's really impressive, mm -hmm. then I think you maybe actually start changing some hearts and minds. But until then, I think no one really believes that they're going to challenge for the title. On the just a quick anecdote on the Berserker um, point as well, uh, even though I know we're, we're backing a lot into this, after watching so much Champions Q, I actually have a lot of confidence in, in his lane phase. I want to see if they can bring... Because in Champions Q, like he 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 just keeps smashing, you know, and it's all obviously very different pairings for all these these different yep. matchups. And it's on Winston, but it's a support thing. It's yeah, so so I want to see if they can bring his success there in lane phase to LCS. I would like to see that in summer. I feel like I like their play style right now, and I don't want them to like throw a wrench in it being like, all right, Summit, you're weak side now. Peace, buddy. Because right now, the, the identity to me is very clear where Summit gets the most resources both in draft and in play. Fudge and, and Berserker are pretty autonomous. They don't need a lot of help. And there's a lot of players, a long history of 80 carries who are arguably the best in their region, and they are not lane dominant, like Reckless. Um, you know, like he could be that type. Sneaky was that type. There's, there's a lot of players in this tradition of this kind of 80 carry. Where I don't necessarily need him to be the win con early or need resources. He's uh, your insurance policy. Yeah. So, uh, so I find a quick thing on the resources though for for jungle proximity. Summit actually has uh, negative jungle proximity because Difference. Yeah, 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 because opponents camp him so much. <laughs> and Blabber's actually like the lowest jungle proximity jungler in the league. I think it might might have changed, but last time I looked at it, it's like he just doesn't go the lane. And also has killing a ton them. of K plus A. Yeah, just, that that to me is always an impressive combination. Where yeah. it's like you barely play around your lanes, but you get the most kills. Yeah. Guess your ganks are pretty good. You know. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. C9 are a bit of a weird team to talk about this, yeah. but like at least watching their games, it's clear that like the focus is on Summit yeah. in a lot of ways. Um, yeah. So so that, that's why like. I would love to see them try to play like lane dominant at some point, but I don't know if like week nine is when I'm like, all right, take that risk right now, changing mm -hmm. things up. Yeah. I'm I'm scared about that. It's 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 always interesting, right? You know, because because like you say, I mean, people always I think when I say Cody Sun, people take it as like ah, you're like making a negative comparison. But I always thought Cody Sun like personified kind of like that style that we're talking about really well. Obviously, I don't think he's as high level player as as Berserker, um, but like he was, I think at his best, like that kind of player where it was like. You never expected Cody to do anything in lane, but then like 25 minutes hit, you realize he's on like three items and you're like, oh, I guess he's just gonna like, they just win now, right? Mm -hmm. um, and it feels like Berserker is that to like, you know, a higher degree where um, they're not really creating lane advantages. It's not necessarily trying to say he's a bad laner, but like they just don't do it. Um, but it'll be exciting to see him, him match up against FBI this weekend, right? Because I do think it's not just FBI that's been getting a lot of criticism. It's been the whole bot lane. Um, you know, Fudge was like tweeting the thing from big rv2 which was like kind of joking kind of playing but it's like talking about support play styles right it's like oh my god you know and it, and it was like I, I can't remember exactly what it was like core jj is roaming vulcan is like i don't know always flanking always flanking and and who he is always inting or whatever right <laughs> oh my god and um and those are like the support play styles and uh and fudge tweeted this out you know it's his coach saying it but he's tweeting it right you know mm -hmm. so a little bit of shots fired i i was like oh my god the, he like tweet like some private discord because it's a screenshot yeah. of discord message and I, I was like i don't know he if asked he... him i assume <laughs> um but like either way it was like it was like whoa you know it, it's it's like things like that are more haha -ha funny when a team is doing really well and it doesn't feel like there's a kernel of truth it 
it like hurts a little bit more and feels like more of a little stab uh, when there's like a kernel of truth and the team's not doing as well, right? Because Hundred Thieves wasn't doing as well. So Closer got in there and was defending him, which I kind of, I yeah. you know, it's nice yeah. to your, your 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 boy jump in for you. Uh, but they have they have that matchup coming up, so that's going to be a really really good one. That's, that's like some good spice for the weekend. Yeah, that, that's my number one match. I'm looking forward to for sure. Me too. Is, is Cloud Nine Hundred Thieves? Yeah, because Closer was like that. Uh, I, it was basically like. Cringe, and we're gonna slap you this in super week or something yeah. like that. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, <laughs> that one's that one's definitely got some uh, spice behind it. You know, we we always try and build up hype matches, and you and we'll do like you know teasers and like have them players come in and you know comment on other player for their position or whatever. But this one is like, all right, I feel like we could just bring them in and have cameras go and. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll the, the team trash talk will just happen. Yeah, that that actually runs. Uh, I was watching uh, Drive to Survive, you know, the F one doc series. It's mm -hmm. so good. I finished. Did you finish the? Most I did recent? finish. I did finish the season. Seemed so rigged, by the way, in the final I, race. No, I. Okay, well, maybe we'll do actually rigged. Drive podcast. Drive to Survive spoilers real quick here, but uh, yeah, that seemed like complete actually bullshit. Rigged. How it ended, like rigged, a hundred percent. Team Toto. <laughs> yeah, yeah, me too. I actually can't stand. Uh, I can't stand Christian from yeah. uh, from Rebel. Anyway, so I was gonna jump into that um, because there was a, an interview format that they used, which I just thought was reminding me of like trash talk stuff, where they like do these two person interviews where they have like a press conference and they bring in two people. I don't know if you don't watch the show. Nope. Um, so they bring in two people, but they always put like these two people that are like competing or like hate each other or whatever. Yeah, or like one is taking the other person's job, job. and yeah. they already announced it or something. Yeah. They have them interviewed together. And they're like, well, Mark, we're here with uh, the first, you're on Mercedes. Well, Kobe's going to be Mercedes driver next year. <laughs> like he's taking your job. How do you, you know? And so like, it just reminded me of that. Like, it'd be really funny to see some of these trash talk things, but have the players sat beside each other. My, my favorite. Uh, it's pretty awkward, but also pretty good. My favorite of that all time is the Conor McGregor press conference where, you know, they have like the two fighters and the guy's trying to talk smack at Conor McGregor. And he's like, who the hell is this guy? <laughs> who the <laughs> fuck are you or whatever? Yeah, yeah, yeah. so funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's hilarious. All right. Uh, FlyQuest, how are we feeling? It feels like they, they were on a huge losing streak. You know, they, they went 1-1. One, one. Does anyone, like, kind of ha have hope for them as, as like, a, a real competitor? Because I feel like it's interesting. They have been above EG in the standings, like, the whole split. But everyone talks about EG as the prospective fourth-place team. FlyQuest isn't really getting that respect, right? Like, they're not really being taken serious even though we're down to the end of the split and they're still above eg everyone's like yeah but eg though if they could be that friday matchup eg versus FlyQuest. you guys are talking about 100 thieves c9 mm -hmm. eg FlyQuest. i feel like uh i always build it up in my own head as like good versus evil because they had like the opposite branding yeah. for a while mm -hmm. that the fact that they're like you're saying this kind of team where eg's only perform but everyone just assumes they're good FlyQuest overperforms everyone just waits for the other foot to drop I think this is actually a really hype matchup for that reason. I still am of that opinion, though. I'm like, please prove me wrong, FlyQuest, but like, I just, I can't see it. So let me pose this really quick question, then you're gonna get in. Um, there was an interview, I think it was with um, Power of Evil, I want to say, but I could be misquoting. But anyway, there was an interview like a year or two ago, basically talking about the fact that fans and community and stuff often won't give credit to teams that don't have big names and are doing well. Uh, because of this kind of like this scenario, this phenomenon where it's like, ah, if you don't know the player really well, if it's not a big star, 
they must be just getting lucky. And of course, they're going to start doing badly soon. Do you think there's some truth to that? Do you think that's kind of blind to FlyQuest? Or is that just like, eh? I think there are a lot of subconscious biases that go into things like this. Um, I can definitely see a world where that sort of uh, aspect of psychology definitely does affect it. Uh, because human, human, you know, we're, we're used to like looking for heroes or looking for, um, things that have already been proven, uh, and, and, and then they don't need extra reassurances. Plus you got me thinking along the lines of like, especially bringing up the brands of even the teams themselves, because FlyQuest has been a reoccurring example of this where they have done well in the past. They were back-to-back -back finals for us. Do you think of of this organization or this team as a top two, a top two, or like a finals repeat organization team? I, I feel like people never want to give credit or, and again, this is mostly subconscious. It's not like they're like, you know what, fuck FlyQuest, because generally, if you ask anyone, they're like, oh yeah, you know that's a cool <laughs> brand, you know, you know, save the environment, um, but it doesn't. Because they have this like goody two shoes, you know, nice brand, which is a unique brand. Maybe that is an, a contributing factor that paired with so the players that they get generally don't have super big, you know, pre-existing brands as well themselves is probably a reason why I feel like they're continually not getting as much praise or hype as their position in the rankings of the LCS would merit so i will agree and disagree i think coming to preseason rankings we all have FlyQuest a lot lower than they are in the standings and yep. where we would put them now so there's some truth to that about like mm -hmm. the big names and what you expect to do well i would push back against like they don't get the credit they deserve because of the big names um because there's also a long line of teams overperforming in regular season who then lose playoffs and it's like yeah they were never that good we were kind of right to doubt them Teams like Dignitas last year went 11 and 7 in the regular season. They didn't have any big names. Everyone's like, they're not actually that good. They're just like getting these random wins with Dardock mm -hmm. cheese picks kind of thing. You know, no one's expecting anything. They get into a little bit of like roster situation and then they're out of playoffs 0 3 to, to 100 Thieves. And we never hear from Dignitas the rest of the year again. Mm -hmm. Like that happens a non negligible amount of time when a team overperforms in the regular season, playoffs rolls around, they get clapped, and it's like, well, they were never really that good. Yep. And so, like, I think that's why that FlyQuest roster that did go to finals shut everyone up in spring because they proved that they were actually good. And then in summer, they got that respect. I remember people were hyping them up in summer. And we still talk about them to this day when you're like getting a bunch of veterans together. Is it going to be FlyQuest? Is it going to be CLG? You know, like we talked about Immortals being that way. Yep. And I think they, they, ha they got that to respect in the end, but you have to earn it in, in postseason. You can't ever get that respect of, no, you're not overperforming until you beat the people that we thought are better than you. I, I, I just feel like though, and and that that FlyQuest one that we always refer to, it's cool that the you know quote came from Power of Evil yep. because he was you know the centerpiece for it basically. Him and Santorin, I feel like if him and Santorin, or even just him as Power of Evil during that time, if he was streaming and like talking shit about the other mid laners, and or or you know any sort of little extra like spice to edge or spice. Or if Santorin, you know, Santorin also is like super, super nice. Um, if they were more edgy at all, or, you know, if, if there was any kind of, like a if thing. there was conflict that went with it, I feel like it, there would have been so much of a bigger 
swell. Yeah, it, it is really interesting. And I think I think like specifically like th this interview was a couple of years ago. So I'm, I'm you know I'm not remembering exactly, mm. um, but it, it was you know partially the idea being like if you take a big name team, it's like if FlyQuest were to beat TSM in the finals, you would believe less in FlyQuest doing well internationally than if TSM wins. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? Because it's like the bigger names. And, and I think a lot of it comes down to like these unconscious biases like you're talking about, Kobe, where it's like, oh, I've seen Doublelift do this a lot before. Like, I know he can do it, even if he's not doing it now. Whereas like, haven't seen like Takoy do it yet. So like, maybe he's a fraud or whatever. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like it's it's this thing that kind of works in your head. Um, but it is interesting. And, and I will say, one of my big takeaways from FlyQuest is that their, their like management and their team building deserves a lot of credit, yeah. right? Like they, they make lemonade out, you know they get lemons they make lemonade right yes. like they do not have big budgets ever and they made not only that back-to-back -back finals team but like this team i think has already massively outperformed everyone's expectations right like they're doing better than eg and tsm which both massively outspend them massively it's not even close yeah so it's like wow like you did it again. It's not a fluke, right? and that's why I'm like, why I have, I'm like, why does this keep happening to FlyQuest? They're so nice, and like they keep on, you know, doing a lot with a little. And I, yeah, I just want you know there to be support. I guess for they, it, they are deserving of credit. Yeah, still don't believe on them. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we here's it. here's here's how they get credit. Beg this week. NC9. They play C9, I think, too. Uh, and and call them idiots or something. Yeah. No, I was going to say, here's... <laughs> play them in all chat. That's not going to convince me. You beat them here. You get top four in the regular season, so you're in the upper bracket. You're probably going to lose to someone in the upper bracket. You go to the lower bracket, you beat EG again in the best of Bam. five this time. And then no one can say shit to you about EG being better because you literally beat them the last couple times yeah. you played. I mean, here's the thing. I don't believe in EG either. <laughs> well, not, not for title contenders, but okay. just between the two. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. like EG's overrated. FlyQuest underrated potentially. Yep. That's that's the narrative now. So prove it. What if FlyQuest and they would keep with their brand of being nice, but they would be so overly nice that it's like sarcastic flame. Maybe EG they, was really going out there and trying their best. Yeah, yeah. I, <laughs> you can't I feel go like, too hard on EG. They only spent a couple million on impact. I feel like th this is my suggestion to try and get what kind of this this edge into a brand that I think is really strong. Yeah, because. If I think about myself, I'm a super competitive person. Most gamers are. Yep. And if you tell me good try after I just lost a game to you, I'm going to be really pissed. Like, it <laughs> it actually gets me more angry than if you're talking shit to me and you're like, you fucking suck, Kobe. And I'm like, no, I don't. You're an idiot. Then that'll be a normal <laughs> I used, response. I used to do that to people when we would scrim them if I yep. really wanted to tilt them. You'd, yep. like, super slam them. They clearly had a horrible game. Yeah. And then I'd be like, you did really well. Like, you know, that was one of your that best games. That was way games. better than I expected yeah, out of like, you. Yeah, like, I didn't think, I've never seen you get that See, close. <laughs> I, I think this, I think this is the route that they should go with because, yeah, if you tell me good try, I, I get so much more pissed yeah. than if you call me dog shit. It's so funny, too, because even if you know that they're, like, intentionally doing it, you can't help but, uh, yeah, you know? It's also, like, how do you argue that? You're like, no, I'm worse than you just said I was. Yeah. <laughs> like, you can't, it's, like, hard to rebuke. This is a bad game yeah. for me. If so, FlyQuest, yeah. the overly, uh, <laughs> the overly sarcastic kindness. Kill him with kindness. There you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Him, it's more like kill him with condescension. Kind yeah, exactly. Yeah. Actually, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we got an EG question here. Uh, this one comes from McNister. Hey, guys. Uh, Long-time listener and big EG Jensen fan. Uh, wanted to get your guys' take on it. Um, you know, I've been watching a lot of these EG games now, and 
keep dropping these late game fights and losing games. And as good a player as Jojo is, he's an upcoming talent. I like him. His lane is great, but his team fighting just leaves me wanting more. And I feel like it's really hurting EG's late game. So I can't help but wonder if, you know, Jensen would be a fix for this and bringing him in, they could start picking up more wins and come summertime, make a push towards worlds. Uh, want to see what you guys think. Thanks. So I, I tweeted before the season even started. Do you remember? <laughs> I was going to bring this up if you didn't. Yeah. So I, I tweeted like, okay, if EG is really bad, how long before you think like, you know, if there's EG Jensen or Niski or whatever. And this was before even lock-in or anything. Mm-hmm. Just because I was like, hey, team with a lot of money, rookie player, there's lots of available free agents. I tweeted this and Peter Dunn was like, EG would literally have to fire me. Like, I would not allow this to ever happen. Like, JoJo is on the team and he's starting or like, or I'm quitting, you know? Um, so I think it's a, a big fat no. Ever. It's never yeah. going to so happen. There have been a lot of coaches throwing up. that around, I feel like. <laughs> By the way, so many coaches this year have been, uh, you know, like, I'll get fired if Golden Guardians doesn't, you know, go whatever score or, you know, they'll have to fire me. Yeah, and I'm and like, well, that they, they should fire me if we don't go 11 and yeah, like, A lot of coaches <laughs> are throwing around their careers like uh, like it's a ha-ha joke. I feel like some of them are going to start firing. Yeah, someone's going to lose their head and be like, wait a minute. I should have <laughs> said that. They're going to stop those jokes real quick. Um, so on the point of the caller, okay, the coach says this isn't happening. Fair enough. But as analysts and entertaining the question i don't see the jojo like i feel like he's talked about all the time he's under this microscope because he was hyped up and i I get why people are watching him extra close but to also he popped off in in lock-in right so people are comparing he came in hot in lock-in he was he was crushing he was talking a lot of smack and so people put him up there yeah so from that angle i understand it but when you're actually diagnosing this team's problems and you're actually being like how are they losing games what's going wrong i think the sad and boring answer is that like their team coordination isn't that great people underperform at different stages jojo is one of them but inspired has games where he's totally forgettable if not outright costing the game their bot lane has thrown like they're like people have made a lot of mistakes in their games and then it feels like a lot of the times they're trying to come back off of not great early games um and so to me i don't get the jojo you yeah. don't get why people would be like, hmm. No, I, Jensen sounds like a good plug and play for JoJo right now. JoJo, like Jensen's gonna fix Inspired's gank top when he like uses a war- useless ward hop. Like I don't get that. I do understand the frustration though of people like the caller, you know, EG fans that are looking at these moments because, especially towards the the mid and late game when you have these team fights and and these or these objectives, there are big moments where it's like. I've worked so much in this game to get to this point. And then there's something very easy to point to that is a mistake there. And since you've had this kind of looming Jensen over the back of every mid laner, basically in the league that that ever underperforms as like a question of replacement, I can definitely understand, you know, where it comes from. I, at this point, uh, and I think that they, um, you know, I, I would have been more argumentative at the beginning in signing Jensen versus JoJo. But at this point, I think they've invested so much into, you know, building up the talent that yeah. um, I think it would feel really weird to pull that switch because it is spring and you're probably not going to MSI anyway. Yeah. So making that change now would be just extremely disruptive unless you're also solving other internal problems that we don't know about. I feel like they, at this point, would be better off staying with JoJo and building towards summer 
because I don't think that anyone is going to unseat, you know, Cloud9 or possibly Team Liquid going to MSI. Yeah. I so, mean, I, so I agree that I probably wouldn't make the switch to Jensen, but I do understand the frustrations of, you know, people like the caller. I, I, don't still i mean I, I get why there's a microscope under jojo and people okay. are tunneling on him yeah, but when you actually like break down like yes i think jensen's probably last time we saw him a better player than jojo is now it would be an upgrade technically but to your point about the pro like why isn't this team contesting with c9 it's not because they have jojo isn't it kind of just almost like what we just talked about with like that like power of evil interview or whatever the quote yeah. from a while ago where it's like people are focusing on the guy that they know the least about right and i do think that he is getting almost an, un an unfair amount of of kind of heat because it's like, well, I know Impact's really good. He's won a bunch of championships. He's world Inspired champion. Inspired won the MVP. Well, I know, exactly. He's an MVP. Well, I saw Danny last year and like he was good. And I know Vulcan's good because he was really good on Cloud9 and like made it to semis. Like, what has this JoJo guy done? Like, mm -hmm. you know, um, but I, I'm with Mark where I just think that they like are playing poorly as a team. They make a lot of like errors as a team. Um, and, and I think that like, if I were actually focused one person on like what what my expected performance level was versus result, I would actually target Inspired. Um, I don't think Inspired has been like horrible by any means, but I thought Inspired would be coming in here and having all kinds of hype. Like I thought mm -hmm. it would be way more dominant. Like the um, first game from this last weekend, like he yes, had a yep. he had a super dominant one, and I saw everybody was like, "All right, that's what you know." That's TSM what we were game looking for. Two weeks ago, same thing where you're like, yep. he runs over the whole game. I thought he was going to be doing that like every game because like that's kind of what he did in lec last year it felt like is like every game oh my god inspires up like 10 camps and he took away their whole jungle and like now he's up three levels and now he's running over the game and it was like kind of felt like that sort of story was really really common um but we haven't really gotten that a lot and of course like jungle is interconnected with the whole team right so it's not yeah it's like you have to enable them and so on and so forth um but he was like the biggest kind of like gap between expectation and reality for me so far i think danny is the only person that I think looks better than last year. Um, I think, you know, like his laning is definitely better than, it, and if you want to say that's a Vulcan thing or versus Ignore or whatever. Um, but I do think Danny's lane has improved. So I think he deserves some credit for that. So like there are some things to be happy about with EG, but like they just seem like a bad team. Even though they seem like good individuals, they seem like a bad team. Yeah. I, I, I will say Jensen has been grinding challenges queue. I thought that he was going to come in to replace somebody in this league. It's, it's really, really mm -hmm. close towards thinks. playoffs. Um, but he is definitely grinding challenges queue. So I feel like he's at least been talking to some teams. Uh, and TSM is definitely the one that everybody has had eyes on for a while because they're in the bottom. But for me, the biggest blocker to that one is that he and the Jensen in the past has not wanted to join bottom tier teams. And we've had this discussion <laughs> as well several times, uh, but we can keep it, our eyes on it. It is interesting, though, because, yeah, the, the, when you're all of a sudden grinding Champions Q a lot, it it's maybe makes you wonder, like, ah, are you talking with the team? And they're like, all right, show us you still got uh -huh. it. You know, like, show us you can still do it. You know, put in some work, get to the top, and, like, we'll talk, right? So, Or maybe they're just I, like, hey, you'll be coming in soon, so start practicing now. Could, could be, be that, that. Literally yeah. every day that I've watched Champions Q, Jensen's been playing, so. Yep, yep, all right. Is, is pretty interesting. But EG, I think they have a lot of work to do. It's again, like, I think a lot of this stuff can change, um, you know, coming out of Super Week. If if there's some really good performances, maybe teams can get things together a bit uh, because EG's, EG's like peak, I think is really high. And that could be really exciting to see them get there. I'm really hoping that we have like a third, fourth team that is really competitive because then that makes the whole playoff break it way more exciting uh, to be able to actually have some teams that can I'm challenge. ready for playoffs, baby. I'm just so ready for fans. By the way, 
If you guys didn't know, we already sold out all the playoff tickets. Only took a couple days. All playoff tickets are sold out. That is such a huge dub. Like that is actually so exciting. I cannot wait for the the studio to be packed. Hopefully, we're gonna have some really good series. It's gonna be incredible. If you couldn't get tickets to playoffs, then be ready. You can for, watch at Kobe's be house. Re- be, <laughs> yeah, come with, to come to Travis Gaffey. Come to watch with Travis on the couch. <laughs> um, I was gonna say. We are going to have tickets for Houston going on sale decently soon. So and that's on, supposed to be a really big stadium. So yeah. you, you should so be, be on tickets. the lookout for those because there's a lot of seats in that stadium. All right, moving and on. stadiums are the most fun, baby. Yes. Moving down the rankings, Golden Guardians went 2-0, stopped their loss streak after they started inting after an arrow interview, where I think they lost five in a row. They're they trying could, to get him fired. They tried to get him fired. They put the hot water on him. Now they're doing well again, maybe. Who knows? This team is, is so up and down. Um, we talked a lot about their throwing leads this weekend are they that up and down i feel like their early well, game is always good and their late game is always bad in terms of consistent. rankings they they started down yeah. then they won a bunch then they lost a bunch and so they're, they're streaky in, in results i think you can talk about their play style having some consistency <laughs> the only thing i can think of as soon as you bring up the topic of golden guardians is licorice just stomping thank god so hard with the fiora pick that i'm we're casting this game and that is the whole story for the game. And so the observers try and show us the replay of the first 1v1. They cut that replay oh, that to show us the oh, no. second 1v1 in which he's killing Fake God. And then later they're trying to catch up on that one. So they get through the first one and they try and show us the replay of the second one that we missed. And it cuts to a third one where he's killing him 1v1. And it was this comical chain that we could not even finish any of these replays of him beating Fate God into another live play of him killing him again. That's all I can remember. Fate, Fate God really griefed the first 1v1. I actually think he could have won that 1v1, but that one was a sad one because he he flashed in the bush, I think, for some sort of vision play. He had but he was ignited. Exactly. Yeah. He's revealed. But also, he wasn't watching the timer on his alt, so his alt expired, and he just never used the Q heal. I think if he used the Q heal, his next auto actually kills Licorice, and then the game could look really different. But he he really messed up in that first 1v1, and sometimes that's how top lane looks. When you play a volatile top lane matchup, like two split pushers, and you mess up in that first all-in, if the other person doesn't mess up, they're ahead. They're playing with that advantage for the rest of the game. If you're outscales Trindamir in that 1v1 generally, like you're going to have a better time as the game goes further. So especially in that matchup when you lose the first one, it's like, oh, no. So that one was a rough one, but Licorice has had some really good laning performances. He's also had some some rough ones, um, but he's had had some really good laning. I think you know a couple times this year. Well, that, so the NAR game where he was up like sixty or seventy CS on Scion. I think they actually lost that game. Yep, yeah, that was ten kills throw. Then yep. later in the end game, he was inside enemy base and he got picked. Yep. So my my big question is: They're seven and eight. They're tied with EG at seven and eight. Dig at seven and eight. FlyQuest eight and seven. There's just a world where they're the fourth best team in the league. And I, I, we were talking about power rankings in our own head right now. Like, where do you guys put Golden Guardians? Because for me, I would honestly say a, it's like actually closer between them and EG, I think. Uh, I, I like the ability to get, I would rather be as a coach in a position where my team, I can trust to be good enough to actually get leads consistently. And I need to show up the mid game. Sure, the result might be the same, but like, if your players aren't skilled enough, it's like, well, I just can't get leads ever. At least, yeah. like, I know that my players are good enough to get leads. Let's like, mm-hmm. you have, you'd like to be in that position as a coach. Would you say if you couldn't, fix those problems that you should be fired probably 
You'd probably let that coach go. Check. Give an eighth loss, yeah. perhaps. So uh, you might be able to be in that position. Yeah, as a yeah coach. we'll say it. <laughs> Golden Guardians, let me know. Yeah. That's, that's what I've been waiting to get back in the coaching game. <laughs> uh, I mean, I, I think I think I, I can totally see your point where it's like, hey, you have they clearly have the talent to create advantages and get ahead of teams, right? I think that is the, the glass half full. I think the glass half empty take is that late game problems are notoriously difficult to solve because the game becomes massively more complex at mm -hmm. the later stage, right? If, yeah, if your players just are, are terrible in lane and every player loses lane, well, then, yeah, it's harder to fix. But at least, like, setting up for, like, macro plays in the early game is like, all right, when it comes to eight minutes, the Herald's going to spawn, you know? Like, it's pretty simple. Late game gets a lot more complex, and I think that's where, arguably, the coach has a lot less control, um, you know, from some of the discussions I, I've had with people. Like, a lot of people feel like that's where, you know, in-game leadership and stuff becomes really important because you can't prepare your players for all permutations of what the game is going to look like when it's, like, 30 minutes in, right? And I think that's one of the things that uh, it can become more difficult with, and, and I think that's why it's been really hard for for Golden Guardians to maybe fix. Like, it's it's not an easy solve to be like, hey, in this exact situation, you have to do this thing and this thing and this thing. You can review that from a game, but you're not necessarily going to have that exact situation again. Yeah, uh, but, okay, so this is an interesting coaching philosophy discussion because that's where you're, in my opinion, you're supposed to be coaching these concepts, philosophies and concepts towards, yeah, late game that you can, that you can guide off of because... That is, that's not even going to be a good way to coach to be like set play, set play, set play for all these different things because the biggest thing you're trying to convey to the players is the why behind behind decisions in the first place. So yep. if, you're, if you're approaching your coaching from trying to teach people why something is good, um, then I think, yeah, I feel like that should be the, the route. But it definitely is way more it's, it's just difficult so complex in late game, and, and complex than the... Uh, and if, and if players if players disagree on like what is the priority in late game, how to close out games and stuff, that's where I think it can be really, really contentious and difficult. Um, and that's my big concern with Golden Guardians. It's like, theoretically, you could look at it from the point of view of like, ah, coming into playoffs, this team that has a really good early game, if they get sort of their late game, maybe they could like snowball some games, upset teams. Like I could see that. But I also just see teams saying, all right, your late game is really bad. We're going to play to neutralize you in the early game. And then we're just going to like by default win in 5v5 later. Yeah, I mean, at the same time, they often take volatile, especially top matchups, and they have some more volatile junglers, and they play a more early game style. So maybe yeah. they could also, I mean, a Blaze Olive usually plays scaling mid. Like, I feel like their drafts usually have, like, we attack this place early, and then we kind of do this stuff late. So I, I feel like they they can, I have, a, I have faith in them, I think. I think I believe they're going to make playoffs. I think they'll make playoffs. Is that, is that faith I feel? Well... <laughs> I, I feel like I have faith in them. I feel like we have to call playoffs, right? There's this tie going on. Who's going to make it in? Who's not going to make it in? Right now, Golden Guardians is on the outside. I think they're taking someone's spot. I think Dig is doomed. Dig is, Dig is giga doomed. They're playing the three hardest teams in the league. They're playing C9, TL, and Hundred Thieves this weekend. Dig is out. Yeah, and I so I think that. Golden Guardians is taking their spot in the playoffs. Yeah, I agree with that. But I, I don't necessarily think I would put Golden Guardians above still like EG and FlyQuest and stuff like that. Um, I'm not. I'm not there yet. I'm actually really interested in the early rounds of playoffs, just to get some of these questions answered. The Fly versus EG one, the, the yep. Golden Guardians one. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if Golden Guardians can solve their late game issues, they could actually be a threat to like have one of those runs, like when Golden Guardians got fourth uh, in, in playoffs, right, where they had that, where it's like you can have this dominant early game and stuff, um, and and maybe you know really make something happen there. But I, I do think it's 
it's concerning. Like some of the just that it's it's been all season long the same issues where they create early game leads and then they can't seem to actually close out any of these games. Like no matter how far ahead they get, it's like every game feels you never know. Every game feels it. pretty losable, which is <laughs> never concerning. never unlosable for them. Yeah, exactly. Um, and and honestly, I just part part of that for me is I have very little faith in Lost. I think I think Lost has performed very poorly, um, and I think that's that's maybe part of the like if I'm not being just kind of like nice about it. I think that's part of their leaking problems is that they don't actually have a good insurance policy because often it comes down to your marksman, and I think he plays really poorly in a lot of these late game scenarios. Like there was the was it the 10 or 13k one against yeah, the, the Kaiser game. The, the Kaiser game was like they, that they lost against 100 Thieves from 13k up. Every single team fight that they lost, so you go back and you watch, he still has his ultimate, he still has his cleanse, and he still has his flash. And he's just playing like, like for lack of a better word, like almost like a KDA player where it's like you are so afraid to use your gold lead to create space and to be aggressive with it. And it's just not the right way to play, especially not with Kaisa, who is about taking like taking that that edge and diving in and playing the line and being really aggressive it's just not the champion for you if you're going to play like that yeah and that's it's in such stark contrast to so many of the other ad carries in our league and i'm not even talking about the best you know berserker and hansamba yes they're in a league of their own it's not fair to do comparisons but even if you compare them to Neos and luger, and luger. And, yeah and all of these guys they're making these super aggressive plays trying to play on the line um, but I, yeah, I, I do think, uh, maybe a lot of, to the early success, uh, and lane phase of that bottom lane, um, I've been chalking more and more up to Ole, uh, grinding away as well, because I, I think he's been playing he's extremely super well. aggressive. Uh, yeah. And, and he's been even criticized by other, <laughs> other supports because he is, he, he's not unpredictable in that. Yes, he will always play these aggressive. Um, he will take the aggressive line in all of the options for plays, right? So, if if you always are tending towards being aggressive, then you're actually easier in some cases to handle than someone who is passive because they know just bait him in what you're gonna do. Yeah, I also tend to feel though that people just don't like playing against the crazy aggressive players. Yeah, and so they use that as flame. They mm -hmm. can use that as flame because it's it's. There's always like that little nervousness of like you know Ollie's gonna all in, mm -hmm. but like if it works, then it feels like you knew he was gonna do it, so you feel like it's stupid. Yeah. but it's, it still worked, and now they're ahead of you, and then now it's a problem, yeah. right? And you're and, mad, exactly. And so <laughs> it's I, basically a you mad, bro. <laughs> yeah. So I I tend to think people flame the like aggressive players is like ah he's just like oh he does it all in every uh -huh. game. Well it's like well if he does that every game, and you know it's gonna happen. If he's not like, shouldn't you just be able to stop it every time? Because people aren't stopping it, right? Like it works a lot of the time. Yeah. So I do give him credit for for at least like how he's choosing the all ins then. Because um, I think Ole has been really fun to watch and and not talked about a ton, but like has had a very successful return to pro right after being out of pro a while. Yeah. Um, he is super hard worker clearly like through his story of, of grinding to the top of korean challenger to prove to himself that he could do it he is grinding in, in champion skew yep he got second place uh you know largely might have been able to get first but like it's longer queue times i know for support than mid etc so uh he, he's been fun to watch i'm glad to have him back yes sir moving on to tsm 2-0 weekend we have an anchor question from chris hayden hey guys after their 2-0 weekend where would you rank tsm amongst the other teams and if they started the split with this roster, do you think they'd make playoffs? Uh, still last and no. <laughs> Sorry. 
I know it's like a hopeful, you know. You put them over or <laughs> under Immortals after that that game? Yeah. <laughs> no. I, st- I think I still do. No way. Oh, by the way, speaking of Immortals, are we back to agreeing that they're CLG? <laughs> they're CLG. Is they're CLG. Right. I was right. Dude, they're the worst team in the league. <laughs> I was right. They're yeah, the worst team in the league. I have them as the worst team in the league, too. I actually, I actually bumped them up enormously in the power rankings tonight, TSM. <laughs> I mean, I bumped them up to to probably ninth as well. I don't know if I have that yeah. much faith in them to uh-huh. like to the caller's question about like, would they make playoffs? Like, n- no. Well, if they so if they started with this with this um, setup, which is really just takeover instead of Kaiduo, if I guess that's the question because like you know we have gotten away from yeah, your song back. I, to I, I get it. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I it's it's tough because there's so much stuff going on I with TSM. It's really hard to like say what is the cause of all these issues because i've there's i've heard there's so much like well, internal drama and problems and it's like is this due to external stuff is this due to just play stuff uh i don't think you could predict them to make playoffs just because it's just like there's not enough evidence to show that they can can do that um but i think they at least would maybe gotten a couple more wins but like if things are stable going to summer i think they could look a lot better yeah so the names on paper aren't that bad but you can't like shenyi rando locking something on stage isn't like not going to happen because you have takeover instead of kaiduo yeah and like those problems you don't just get to write off because they're solved now so yep. to that point you have to assume everything else goes to chalk your mid lane's a little bit better you pick up a couple more maybe wins at some other points but you're still going to have all this turmoil like the peter's ang stuff still going on you know like all this stuff is still going to happen yeah that's why it's so hard to say much about it because a yeah. lot of their issues it feels like are like mental almost Yes, so I'm not there, but I think they're much better than Immortals. I I don't know how you can put them. Like, that game was terrible. Immortals literally ran up and down the river three times at one point because they just had no vision. Okay, okay, fine, fine. You're right, you're right, you're right. All right. As long as you admit Immortals is is (laughs) Yeah. All right, we're on the same page. Is that, you know, just say it with me. Immortals are CLG. (laughs) Immortals are CLG. CLG. It feels bad, but I feel like... Like, so clearly Immortals wanted to do this whole, you know, split push, play through revenge type thing. Yeah. Um, it feels like since since the the changes on oh my god, I'm spacing out on the item, the side lane item, the split push hall breaker on, on the range hallbreaker changes, where it was like they were just going grave stop every game with that and it was actually working. It feels like since then they haven't really um known exactly what to do or been able to actually have that have success with that playstyle. Uh, so Immortals has has been a bit of a mess. I, I'm I'm much much more optimistic about TSM going into summer, but I, I don't want to rewrite history largely because what you're saying, they still had so many issues that were like independent of gameplay. Yeah. The, um, the the second part of it though, of like them being able to get into playoffs, I feel like that is such a jump because we were even having a hard problem pulling a team down out of playoffs. So yeah. like I feel like that is such a big jump. Even it even is. looking at summer. If if they get if they get a big ticket mid laner, I'm still like feel bad saying that because I think takeovers actually performed pretty well. But I do think if they got a Niski or a Jensen going into summer, uh, then I then I think that that kind of like helps to, to boost the mental and gives you a bit of that honeymoon phase. And then I could see that team being a playoff team and and really making that climb. Um, but as of right now, I think it's it's pretty hard to say that even though it's still a massive jump up from where they were. Because just a couple of weeks ago, it was like this team had one win and looked absolutely hopeless in almost every single one of their games. At least we have now seen a couple of really nice Hooney performances, some care performances from him. It feels like this, these last couple of weeks are the first time we've seen Hooney look like Hooney's in, in the whole year, right? Well, like he's away from, from the like smite top stuff that uh, I think you know, wasn't even really working that well for them. Um, so I'm, I'm excited to see TSM at least like looking like like a, a bit more of a cohesive team. 
Yeah, uh, I think Houdini's actually been good even before these wins. He's he's been fine this year. Uh, is there anyone else you guys want to talk about? CLG zero two. My dock is closed. My, you 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 alt F board out. My my no. Well, it signed me out, and I didn't feel like signing back in since we're at the end of the episode anyway. Yeah. So I'm waiting till next week. All right. To well, sign back in. <laughs> that's good, good commitment right there. <laughs> uh, I mean, you like CLG contracts is your boy. They make him playoffs. They make him the run. They doomered. Uh, well, they did play the, they the, play pro, the, the problem for them is that they're two games back mm -hmm. of of even the lowest out of that pack, if I remember correctly. Yep. Dig, and dig, so they have EG, to. EG are all they, I feel like they have to get a little help in Super Week with two of the other teams losing massively and them getting multiple wins in Super Week. So I, I it's a lot of homework basically. So CLG even, have Immortals, TSM, that and TSM. So those they can. Well, and then they have EG. So I it, mean, it is doable. Their, their schedule is very doable with help. So yeah. so really, it's like two teams that are already up there uh, have to have like basically an 3 week, mm -hmm. likely. Uh, at, at best, they have to have a 1-2 week. And if that happens and CLG performs, it's actually doable based on strength of schedule. And what I do like about the recent surgeons from CLG is that they are clearly putting these things that they practiced into every weekend of LCS. And it's like the the comps are always very similar. It's Palfox, something that can roam down or get picks towards bottom lane, towards the bottom half of the map. Like they know Luger is our is our win condition. This man, this man is gold, okay? Not ranked, but like gold as in <laughs> valuable, the medal. Uh if if they can invest in bottom, then he he can push them across the finish line. And they've also practiced, you know, Poom getting roam timers out of bottom lane by ganking, by putting pressure there so that then Poom can move with contracts for these plays in the enemy jungle. You know, these aggressive plays that previously contracts was doing by himself and would get picked or killed or something, right? So I do feel like there are concrete learnings and improvements for this team yeah. that they can carry over. But it is still a difficult task this, just because of where they're starting. The heading schedule into Super does week. make me think that it's like, hey, this is the run that I can actually see maybe happening. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know that I would bet on it. But we already said, we think Dig's pretty doomed based off schedule, mm -hmm. right? Um, and then really you just need either Golden Guardians or FlyQuest to go like 1-2. And if they go 1-2 and you go 3-0, then like you can you can potentially tie. Dark, dark Horse prediction. EG is the one. EG, yeah, FlyQuest, Golden Guardians, left. CLG that fall out. Okay, they they drop FlyQuest, they drop Golden Guardians, CLG knocks them out with all the chips on the line. You know, that would be pretty hype as the because is that the final game? That, yeah, it is on not, Sunday. They would play on Sunday, so yeah, it's definitely possible. I mean, it's not it, going to happen, but that's that's the that's the dark prediction for CLG. Fans. There's the, the the race like around that six is actually really interesting because a lot of these teams play each other. I mean, EG, they're fate is totally in their hands, right? Mm -hmm. They play, yeah, they play FlyQuest, Golden Guardians, and CLG, like all teams that are in that running for that last spot. So uh, I think it's actually going to be really exciting kind of towards the bottom end of the playoff table. Hype Super Week. Yep. Hell yeah. Super Week, baby. Let's get it. All right. Well, that's going to wrap it up for us for now. Remember, if you're watching on YouTube, hit that subscribe button so you don't miss any episodes of The Dive. Check us out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Anchor.fm. Remember to uh, continue submitting those questions. We had a bunch of good Anchor FM questions this week, so shout out to all y'all who sent them in. 
uh, and keep sending us the Twitter questions, the takes. We love them all. Uh, the LCS Spring Split concludes this week. Super Week. Can't believe we made it to the end already. Starting Friday, 2.30 p.m. PST. It's TL versus Golden Guardians. Playoff race is going to come down this weekend. Don't miss it.